All right, well, before we get into the message, um, I want to do something. Um, Jason, uh, he mentioned that we've had a, a crazy push for volunteers lately, and um, a lot of you guys were here for our worship nights this past Friday, which was awesome. Um, I just wanted to give a special thank you. Our, our worship, our sound, our media team, they have just been going into just a major push like a lot of our teams has, but I just wanted to take a second. They've been preparing Sundays as regular. They've been preparing our worship nights. So if you're on our worship team, our sound team, or our media team, could you stand so we can say thank you to you guys? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And let me say it again. Thank you. So um, when I was younger, a lot younger, uh, I spent a lot of time up at our family's cabin. It's up on Stemple Pass near Lincoln. And um, man, some of my, my formative years as a boy were there because we would go up there every weekend. We'd, we'd build forts. We'd sit by the campfire. We'd shoot our BB guns. Nobody poked an eye out. That was good. Uh, and it was, it was so great. But I remember some of the best times would happen when we stayed overnight. And that didn't happen all that regularly. And so when we stayed overnight, it was a big deal. And what would happen is the adults would, they'd kind of, they'd start this tradition. And I didn't, I didn't know much back then. You know, I remember being really young. So it was a small little room and we had a couple bedrooms off the side. And what would happen is the adults would move the table or they'd move the furniture off to the side and they'd put tables together. And they would, they'd play like this poker game all night. And I remember uh, as a boy, I would, I would be sitting like right on the edge of the couch because they would say a sentence like towards the end of the evening. They would say a sentence and I heard it once and then I heard it a second time and then I started to realize what it meant. One of the adults would inevitably say, it's time for showdown. And I'm like, what's that? What's showdown? So showdown is this thing where... Um, what you do is you take a good portion of your winnings. Are we talking about poker on a Sunday? I guess we are. So you take a good portion of your winnings and you put it towards the middle, okay? And then everybody gets dealt five cards straight up and then the best five cards wins the pot. That's showdown. And so a lot of the adults, they would spend their whole evening working towards this moment. And I mean, I was thinking, it's like back then, I didn't know the difference between like a, a toilet flush and a royal flush. You know what I mean? It was all the same. So I didn't, I didn't know, but I knew that this was a big deal. And so MHCC, I was thinking about us. I think we're in that kind of a moment. I think it's time for showdown. Would you agree? Uh, Jason, uh, he gave you a, a little uh, a sneak preview. If you haven't been around uh, for the last several months, it's okay. We're going we're gonna to catch you up on what's going on. We're in the middle of a really exciting season. This is our last Sunday, as Jason said, between two services. And just like when I was a kid and I would see all the adults working really hard, there has been a large group of adults, a large group of young people, a large group of kids getting ready for this moment. Uh, behind the scenes, though, I want to tell you, I want to give us just a little bit of context for what's been happening behind the scenes. We've been talking about this as an elder team for a long, long time. Uh, we've been praying about this. We've been researching this. We've been analyzing trends. We've been talking to other church leaders. And once we as an elder team decided that this is the direction that we wanted to go, JR, our senior leader, started us on a series about kingdom values. 
him and uh, a lot of our other Sunday morning speakers, they wanted to answer the question, what does the kingdom of God look like? What is the culture of the kingdom of God? What, what is something that we should be able to see like, yes, that is the kingdom of God? We actually spent 14 weeks talking about the kingdom of God. That's been like one of our longest series, uh, justifiably so. It's a big topic. And so then from there, we transitioned into another series, and we talked about MHCC, Mount Helena Community Church's values, because we wanted to answer the question, all right, so if the kingdom of God, if that is the culture of the kingdom of God, then what is the culture of MHCC? When you come to MHCC, what can you expect from not the building, we've said it 100,000 times, the church is not a building, it's the people. So what can you expect from this group of people? And so we've boiled this down to five, five of our values. And if you've been here the, like, the last seven weeks, these should be no surprise to you. Our five values are authenticity. We're real with one another. Generosity, mine is yours. Commitment, we can count on one another. Development, we want to grow. And family, like the Bible says, everyone was together and had all things in common. So when I look at those five values, I think, man, that's a group I want to be part of, right? If you look at those, why would you not want to be part of that group? I mean, that, those are some great, great values, but we have an issue. The issue is we don't have any more room. <laughs> Our building is full, right? So we are experiencing a lot of positive momentum right now. And I think that is just thank you, Lord, right? Thank you, Lord, for the positive momentum. And the stats tell us that when a building feels full, people will visit one time and then they'll, they won't come back. And we've definitely seen that in, in, in recent times. One of the places it's fullest is our kids' ministry, as Jason said. We have a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. We have over 100 kids every Sunday. And that is just, that is awesome. So we have these great group of people living out these five values, but we don't have any more room for new people. I mean, the table's full. There's no more, there's no more room at the inn, and that's a problem. So the choice that was set before us was make room and grow or not. Pretty simple choice. And you guys, I just want to be real. Growing, it can be super exciting, right? Growing can be exciting. Like I think of when the first time that I got my license and when I got my car, I thought I was so cool. My dad, um, he made me save up my money, which I'm still thankful for, for a 1978 pale blue Grand Torino rear wheel drive, ball tires, and it wasn't cool enough. I had to put a black light in the back window with stars on the ceiling. I actually did that. I don't know why, because it's probably not for the reasons you think, but I did it. Yeah, very creepy. I was the only one ever in that car, I'll just tell you that. So it's exciting, but you know what? Growing can be really hard and uncomfortable and awkward. Again, in high school, I don't know why all these stories are from high school, but uh, in my freshman year, facial hair started to happen. And, you know, people were commenting on it at school, like, oh, that's what they said. And, uh, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to shave. So I watched my dad do it a thousand times. So right before I was catching the bus, I found his electric razor. I didn't need a mirror. And so I just, uh, and it was fine. Well, I get to school, and the same people 
that were saying those comments were now saying other comments. Did you miss a spot, Red? And I, did, I had no idea, so I went into the mirror and I was just complete. I mean, it was like, it looked like a quilt half finished. So uncomfortable. So, yes, growing is both really exciting and really hard. Can we just be real with one another? So recently, we as a, a group of people, we partnered with uh, Life Covenant Church and we brought the Global Leadership Summit here. And we've been doing that for years now. It's just become something we do and it's, it's awesome. I love the GLS. Um, one of the one of the speakers, she's uh, her name is Danielle Strickland. She gave us a model this year for growth and for change, and it, it really helped illustrate the kind of some of the tensions that we experience. And so I want to show that model to us today because I think it really gives us some vocabulary for what we're about to go into. To help illustrate that, I need some help. Mr. Cole Harris, would you come up, please? Would you give Cole a hand? You come up this way. All right, so Cole does not have any idea what we're about to do. All right, so Cole, it's really simple. Our job is to get you from this chair, and I'm going to help you, to that chair. Now, you realize a couple of the chairs look a little bit different, and so as you get on each chair, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to ask you some questions, okay? So this chair is called normal. Everybody say normal. This is your life as it is right now, just smooth sailing. Cole, actually, your parents, this is, Cole is the son of Jason and Rebecca Harris, and I'm guessing that they've told Cole not to stand on the furniture? Yes. Okay. Can we, do you think they, is it okay if we stand on the furniture today? Okay, Rebecca, the authority in the family said yes. All right, so let's, let's just stand on this chair. All right, so, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this. You've always wanted a microphone. Yes, he said you said, yes, I have. We get some. All right. Maybe you don't get a microphone. I don't know. Okay, so how does this feel? And, and speak nice and loud. Uh, it feels pretty awkward. Okay. Do you feel, there we go. Thanks, Jason. All right, go ahead and say that again. It feels kind of awkward. Okay, do you feel like, do you feel, does it feel stable, like you're going to fall off? You feel good? I feel okay. Okay, good, good. All right, so this next chair, this is normal, this is settled. The next chair is called unsettled. This is the moment in which you and your life, you find out some news that maybe you didn't see coming or maybe you did, and it's a little wobbly. There's no difference in this chair than this chair, except there's some books underneath that. All right, so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab this, and I'm going to grab your hand, step onto that chair. Okay. How does that, how does that feel? It feels really unstable. Okay. It feels like I'm going to fall off. You feel like you're going to fall off? Yeah. Would you want to stay here for a long time? Not really. Okay, and especially if I do this, how does this feel? Really weird. Really weird. Okay. So now, Cole, one of the rules of this is you can't fall off, so... How does that look? Um, not so stable at all, like not it's so going to move. Okay, so yeah. this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you. I'm going to move this. These are just my notes. Nobody needs those. All right, so this next stage is called chaos. This is the phase of change that you will experience the most change in whatever season you're going through. Okay, so this is what I'm going to do. I don't think that you're going to be able to do this alone. 
So I'm going to hold you, okay? So I'm going to go like this, and I can't carry you over this phase. So we want you to actually step on this ball. Okay, there you go. I got you. All right, now put your both feet on there. Okay, how does this feel? Really unstable. Okay. <laughs> does it feel like you're going to fall off? Yes. Okay, do you want to stay here for a long time? Nope. Okay. Should we go on to the next phase? Yes. Okay. All right, so go ahead and step onto this next phase. Good. Okay. And I'm going to let go of you. Okay, so this phase is our next unsettled phase. Okay, so turn around here. This phase, you've come through chaos, and this is still unsettled. How does this feel? It feels like it was back there. Okay, does it feel better than this? Way better. Way better. Okay. So life hasn't quite returned to normal, but you're not as you're not as unstable as you were right there. Yes. Okay, so then let's go to this next phase. Okay, this next phase is called your new normal. How does this feel? This feels excellent. Excellent. <laughs> this feels excellent. So now you have the experience, you've gone through this whole season, and now you're different than you were when you stepped on that first chair, aren't you? Yes. Because you've gone through a process. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to be the same again now that you've come through that, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody give a pull a hand. Good job, Cole. That'll be the only thing anybody remembers. Good job. So as you can imagine, um, we as a church are somewhere in this season of change. I'm just going to set this right here. This was normal, and a couple months ago, we introduced this, this phase to you, right? When we announced two services, a lot of people started going like this. It started to get a little sketchy, right? This is where we are right now, and I would say that we as a group of people are right here. We are about to step on to this ball, and we are about to experience things that we haven't experienced before. There's been a lot of, uh, a lot of prep a lot of behind-the-scenes work, but we actually haven't stepped onto this ball right now. So the question I've been asking myself for us is, how do we do it? Cole did a great job stepping onto this ball, but I want to know, how as a group of people do we step onto this ball? How do we navigate this change? And, you know, I'll just be honest, I've been thinking as a leader, I'm like, okay, well, maybe the job of a leader is to get people through this phase as quick as possible and to restore normalcy on the other side. And I realized, I'm like, that's wrong. And I don't actually think it's possible because you can't control time. In these different seasons, time is not up to you. And so I've been thinking, I think that there is actually something that God wants to teach us in this phase. In this season, there are perhaps a posture or an attitude or a tool that we can get from this season. I, I don't think it's, it's correct of us to want to rush this season. I think there's something that, um, I think there's something that we, we need to get from this season. So I want to propose that we adopt the posture and we adopt the attitude of a, a pretty well-known person in the Bible. This person has been the subject of countless sermons, movies, songs, I mean, you name it. But there was one situation in his life that um, I don't think he was particularly proud of. And it's a situation in which God called him out on some things. And it's in that situation, and particularly his response afterward, 
we're going to see some very practical application on how we can get through this season. So who I'm referring to is Moses. Now, um, a lot of us know about Moses, but if you don't, let me just share a little bit of Moses' resume with us. He was the leader of the Exodus. He led the people from slavery out of Egypt into the promised land, and we're going to get a little bit more specific about that. He was to whom God entrusted the law, the Ten Commandments, the whole law. Jesus demonstrated that Moses foreshadowed his own work as a Messiah. Moses was listed as exemplary of faith in Hebrews 11. How would you like that little nugget for yourself? God himself buried Moses in Deuteronomy 34. And then also in Deuteronomy, it says this, No prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So with all those accolades, you would think, man, this guy's got it figured out. This guy does no wrong. But there was an event that happened that I'm sure he wasn't proud of. And I go so far as to say I'm guessing it was heartbreaking for him. The event happens in Numbers uh, chapter 20. And this is when the Israelites were en route to the promised land. And we're going to have it up here, but I'm going to read it to you as well. Now, there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had perished with our brothers before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up out of Egypt to bring us to this wretched place? It's not a place of grain, figs, vines, or pomegranates. and There's no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting. They fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff and assemble the congregation. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch, and it will pour out its water. You and your brother Aaron are to what? Speak to the rock. You will bring out water from the rock and provide drink for the congregation and their livestock. Now, incidentally, this is the second time that Moses has had to do something like this. In Exodus, he was told to, well, we'll get there. So, verse 9, Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, but just as he commanded, then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen now, you rebels. <laughs> just love that. It's like, bam! Uh, Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his hand, and what did he do? He struck the rock twice with his staff so that a great amount of water gushed out, and the congregation and their livestock were able to drink. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me to show my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So let's stop for a second, take in the gravity of what just happened. Moses has had such a history such a rich journey with God. I mean, this is the guy, think about it. This is the guy who was floating down the Nile River as a baby, and he was raised in Pharaoh's house, and then he had to leave because he killed an Egyptian, and he had this burning bush moment, and God, and God says, you're going to deliver my people. And so he went back to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said, no, people are not going anywhere. So on behalf of Moses, God released those plagues, and, and all this has happened. So finally, uh, Pharaoh says, yes, get your people out of here. So they're going up to the Red Sea, and Moses has his staff, and with his staff, God parts the Red Sea, and then the, Israel, or the Egyptians come in, chasing after them. The sea crashes down on them. All the way, what was Moses doing that whole time? He was leading the people to the promised land. Well, then through a whole other story, through some doubt and some other things, God says, okay, well, now you're going to wander the desert for 40 years on your way to the promised land. You're going to take a little detour on your way to the promised land. So you're going to wander for 40 years. So Moses has had this history and this journey of like one thing. I have to get these people 
to over here. I have to get them to the promised land. That was his whole deal. And so then in a moment of whatever you call it, anger, frustration, disobedience, whatever, one moment God says, okay, I find it interesting, a couple things, that water still gushed out of the rock. That's interesting. But then the other interesting thing is God said, okay, the deal is still on. Your people will go to the promised land. Your people will inhabit the promised land. You won't. You won't. You're not going to the promised land. You guys, imagine how he must have felt in that situation. Put yourself in that situation. If you're Moses, after 40 plus years of leading these people with one goal, God now tells you you're not going. Nope, you're not going to do it. How would you feel in that moment? Maybe more importantly, what would you do? Would you keep on? Would you keep going? What would you do? That event happened in uh, Numbers 20, and Moses' death is recorded in Deuteronomy 32, where actually God takes Moses to the edge of the promised land. Moses sees the promised land, but he doesn't get to enter it. It reminds me of a quote that we also heard at the GLS this year that I've been thinking about pretty much every day since then, and it's this. A society grows weak. Oh, I'm sorry. A society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they know they shall never sit. What did Moses do after he found out that he wasn't going to the promised land? He continued to plant trees knowing that he would not sit in their shade. If you look at, through Numbers 20, through Deuteronomy 32, you'll see story after story after story about how Moses fought for Israel with passion, how he led them with integrity, how he served the people with love. What Moses did is he got them ready for what was coming. And the way he did that, he modeled selflessness. Everybody say selflessness. Think about that. He didn't have an attitude. He could have said, okay, well, I'm not going. I'm, I'm out. No, he didn't do that. He kept on going. He didn't complain. He didn't grumble against God. He fought. He led. He served. He loved selflessly. And the scripture records at the end of his life, people grieved for him for 30 days. He made that kind of an impact. So when I look at the process we're in and um, what we're about to go into next Sunday and then the next Sunday and all the Sundays after that, I think we have an opportunity within this season. We have an opportunity within all the craziness that we're going to experience to be selfless. This opportunity that doesn't come along a lot, and we're staring at it. You guys, this is a mile marker moment in the history and in the journey of our church. Now, make no mistake, um, this is not our final destination, okay? This is not our final destination as a group of people. It's not like, okay, we got two services, we can coast, we're done. No, 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 no. It's not our final destination, but it is a significant mile marker on the journey, so much so that I really believe and I believe this with all my heart, our kids, the next generation, they will talk about how we navigated this moment. There will be stories, I promise you, because I know the stories from 20 years ago. There will be stories in the next 20 years about how we navigated this moment, about what you and I did on this season. On, in the season of what they call chaos, our kids are going to talk about it. I guarantee you. So it's important to them. It's how we navigate this is important to the next generation, but it's also important to another group of people. It's important to a group of people that I'm going to call them. 
Who's them? Them, and this isn't grammatically correct, so let's not worry about that. Them is all the people who aren't here today. Them are the people that have not had the opportunity yet to become us. Them are the reason that we get to be selfless in the days to come. Think about that, right? Most of you here are, are already us, and that's awesome. Most of you have had your life changed by Jesus, and you have found a community, you found a family, you're building the community with us, you're living the mission with us, and that is awesome. You are us. You are the five values that we've been talking about. But there's a whole group of people that I'm calling them who have not had that opportunity, that need that opportunity. They need that opportunity to have their life changed by Jesus, to have a better life than they do now. You guys, let's just, let's just call it what it is. Simply put, there are people in this valley and in this state we cannot reach unless we go to two services. I'm going to say that again. There are people we cannot reach, fact, unless we go to two services. It is the way it is. They need to have a chance to experience what you're experiencing. So what do we do, right? What do we do to prepare us for this next season, what we get to do next Sunday? And really, it's what Cole modeled for us a little bit ago and what we saw in the life of Moses, what he did through all those chapters that we didn't have time to read. It's, you have to remember two words today. It's really simple. What's going to get us through this season? We stay close. We stay close. Number one, we stay close to God. Two services, I said, is not the end-all goal of what we're called to accomplish. It's a mile marker, yes. So then we as a group of people, we need to continue to be listening to the Father. We need to continue to be salt and light and influencing the world around us. I can tell you that I am my best self when I'm spending time reading and praying and having conversations with you guys. Um, when I don't do those, I get a little cantankerous, right? I am not my best self. So we as a group of people, this is the time that we need to lean in to God. This is the time we need to be praying for one another. This is the time we need to say, okay, God, two services. Thank you. Now what? Now what? This is the team effort that we've been talking about for months. So we need to stay close to God, right? The second one is we need to stay close to us. We need to stay close to us. There is no doubt, again, that getting to this journey right here has taken a lot of work. And again, I just I can't say it enough on behalf of the whole leadership team. I know that there, there are so many people here that have volunteered, uh, that are serving, that are leading, and we are, man, we're making a push. And I just want to say, on behalf of all of us, thank you. It does not go unnoticed. And if we could buy you all a house, we'd talk about it. <laughs> thank you, sincerely. Um, but the truth is, we need to stay close to one another because the way that Cole showed us here we're not, we can't bear the weight of this alone. We're not getting through this season by ourselves. And if, if this is one of those moments where you think, okay, well, you know, the pastors on staff, this is, this is their, no, 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 no. Much too big, much too big for any staff team. This is going to take all of us. So I want to, I want to encourage us. Remember who we're doing this for. We're doing this for them because 
you guys, I'm just going to be honest. We're increasing what we do. So we're going to get tired and we're going to get exhausted. And there's going to come times that you're going to be cranky with those on your team because as you generate heat, there's friction, right? And you're going to say, well, why did he say that? Well, why do I have to serve? I just did that. I want to encourage you, you guys. Know that that's coming and resolve in your heart to stay close. That's what we do. We stay close to one another. So when those moments come, pick up the phone. Don't send a text. When those moments come, do not send a text. Man, he's excited about that. Yes, I am. There's nothing worse than an angry text message. Pick up the phone and say, you know, Tyler, I just, I'm going to believe the best about you, but you're being a jerk right now. Like, okay, thank you. That was much better than a text message. I really, unless it's a funny meme, then whatever. But the point is, we need to stay close to us, okay? Because this is, it's such a great season that we're in as a church. And then lastly, we're going to stay close to God. We're going to stay close to us and stay close to them, okay? If you think of some of Jesus's, his early times when he was first gathering his disciples, he spent a lot of time with people that were pretty different from him, didn't he? And the religious leaders of the day were like, well, why are you going to his house for dinner? And why are you talking to her? You shouldn't be talking to her. And so, you guys, this is a, a really great opportunity to stay close to them. And I know it's super uncomfortable to, you know, walk across the room and say, hey, I, I, we haven't met yet. My name is. Or to walk across your street to your neighbor and say, man, are you guys okay? You need a shovel? Can I, can I help you? This is a, a point in our season as a church. Really, our point is as people. Stay close to them. You guys, if we were focused on us, we don't need to go to two services. If we were just focused on us, we don't need to go to two services. There's plenty of room for us. God is calling us to more. God is calling us to them. And so we, I know it's a little uncomfortable. We kind of got to just get out of our shell, just embrace the awkwardness and walk across the room because I guarantee you that as we go to two services, there's going to be some unfamiliar faces here. And you guys, all, all they want is they want a handshake. Maybe they want to be left alone, whatever it is. But just say, okay, God, how can I reach out today? How can I reach out on a Sunday? How can I reach out on a Tuesday night? Because the truth of it is, I'm here today because somebody did that for me. Somebody was bold enough to come across and tell this weird guy, hey, how are you? And you're here today because somebody did that for you. Somebody served you once, and that's the reason that you're here today. So I, I want to I encourage us to stay close to God, stay close to us, and stay close to them. Friends, as we walk out of our auditorium today for maybe one of the last times we're all going to be gathered together, um, I ask you to remember who we are doing this for. Our first impressions team, they've actually put some white tape on the doors there. And on the white tape are two words, for them. We are doing this, yes, for God, but we are doing this for them. We're all here because somebody first served us. That is the reason you are here today, because somebody first served you. So what do you say <clears throat> that we show up next Sunday ready to serve? We show up next Sunday ready to lead. We show up next Sunday 
ready to plant a tree for which we will probably never sit in its shade. We show up next Sunday ready to be selfless for them. Please stand. I'm going to pray for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you so much for the season that we're in, Lord. Thank you that this is not the end of our journey as a group of people, Lord, but it's a significant part, Father. And so, God, I just I pray for them, Lord. We all pray for them in Jesus' name. Think of, think of one person right now that needs to be here. Think of one person in your life that needs to be here, that needs to have their life changed by Jesus and needs to experience community. God, we're all thinking of these people, Father. We pray for their souls in Jesus' name, Lord. We pray that they would walk through the doors. We pray that we could usher them into these doors, Lord. God, we pray for life change for these people, Father. Thank you, Lord, for what you've given us as a group of people, Lord. Find us faithful in sharing that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.